0: Now, here's Mother Miriam.
1: Good morning, beloved. It's good to be with you. I pray you had a wonderful weekend, Um, and um, I'm happy to be back with you. Uh, There was a special uh, recording on... um, uh, We pre-recorded the the program on Friday because of a very special happening at the Station of the Cross, and... um, We're going to continue today, and after the first break, you may call in with anything on your heart. It never needs to be what we're speaking about. The matter of the heart uh, is the heart of the matter. The matter of your heart is the heart of the matter. You can always call in or text or email with your name or anonymous. makes no difference, Uh, just the issue of your heart and the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the dot com what we began on Friday was going through the ten most common liturgical abuses and it's written by a dr Kevin Orlin Johnson and uh, comes straight from the website of the number one apologetics organization uh, I say in the world it's um the Catholic Answers, for whom I worked full-time for nine years before leaving to begin this community. And we are actually on number seven, and there's only ten. So I'll continue reading, but for those of you who aren't with us Friday, I'll read the introduction to this list. And Dr. Johnson says, Before Vatican II, there were not any surprises when it came. Uh, Hold on just a moment here. Adjust something. Okay, here we go. Before Vatican II, there were were not any sur- surprises when it came to the mass. Now, um, in many parts of the United States, you'll find priests improvising as they go along. Even archbishops issue pastoral letters directing things at odds with liturgical regulations. As Pope John Paul II noted, St. Uh, Pope um, uh, John Paul II noticed, uh, in, noted in 1998 uh, in an ad limina address to the American bishops of the Western states, not all of the changes in the liturgy have always and everywhere been accompanied by the necessary explanation and catechesis, and as a result, In some cases, there has been a misunderstanding of the very nature of the liturgy, leading to abuses, polarization, sometimes even grave scandal. And I tell you, beloved, the abuses in the Mass, I can only think of two reasons for them. Either truly uh, the priest or the bishop, whoever has um, um, ordered these uh, different... Uh, ways of celebrating the mass, or given certain permissions that shouldn't be given, um, is a, a misunderstanding of the mass. Either that, or a loss of faith, because it it, it results in a um, in a destruction and a distortion, at the very least, of the mass. Scandal, Doctor Johnson goes on to say, is a word much in the news these days. But it does not really mean a shameful or sexual demeanor. Scandal in the church's vocabulary means just what it means in the Bible, a stumbling block, something that obstructs a person's way to the faith. And we are not to do that. We cause scandal, Jesus said, at great cost. Not only to those who are scandalized, but to ourselves. And Dr. Johnson goes on to say, when the Mass is presented as something casual, entertaining, or improvisational, improvisational, the whole point of it disappears. If the priest conducts himself as if Christ were not only truly present in the Eucharist, why should the lay people in his parish think that the Eucharist means anything? Why should they bother to go to Mass at all? Although census figures report that the church in America is growing, that's an amazing thing. I, what is it? Oh, you know what? The date of this article is 20 years ago. No wonder. 1999. I announced that on Friday, but I forgot to look at it today. It's not growing anymore. That's for sure. It's going down in uh, horrid numbers. and But these abuses continue in addition to more... Uh, to more abuses. Um, Okay. Although census figures report that the Church in America is growing, well, again, that was 20 years ago, not now, only 25% of Americans who call themselves Catholic attend Mass regularly, down from 70% before the liturgical reforms following Vatican II. Um, it gives other figures, but it, that's for 1999. A strong argument can be made that the loss of structure in liturgy caused an erosion of faith that in turn dealt a near mortal blow to the American priesthood. I tell you what, um, I don't even like the term American priesthood, even though it's it, it can well be used, as Dr. Johnson has used it, um, But it is the priesthood in America, Uh, the same way I don't appreciate the term American Catholicism or American Church, because it is the Church in America, not the American Catholic Church. It's the Church in America, if it's truly part of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, Religious vocations, always sufficient in this country, began dropping off as the new order of the Mass was imposed without the necessary explanation and catechesis. Imposed is the word, overnight. Now many parishes have priests of other nationalities. We have become virtually a missionary country. And I bless God for those other nationalities, priests from Africa and India, because uh, we have become mission territory. In an atmosphere of free-form liturgy, it's up to the laity to know the laws about texts, gestures, the sacred objects used, and the proper conduct of the Mass to obey those laws and to see that the clergy obey them too. It is up to us to call our priests back to due reverence when it comes to matters of taste that are not covered by law. It is also important to know the difference between matters of law and matters of taste because you have to know when you can insist and when you have to persuade. But by and large, the laws binding on all priests are enough to bring back the reverence that is all too often missing. Now, are we to lead the priests or the priests to lead us? Yes, the priests are to Lead us to God. They are mediators between us and God, indeed. But if they begin to lose their faith, if they begin to fail, beloved, we need to know our faith. And if we don't, it's time we do, in order to help the priests. Because if they fail, there's no mass. We can't step in for them. We can't say, move aside, we'll do it. We need the priest. We need them for the survival of the church and the survival of the world. If you question some liturgical practice at your parish, go to your nearest Catholic library or bookstore and have a look at these texts. You can look at the what 's known as the germ g i r m which is the general instruction on the Roman Missal um, or the code of canon law. Let me turn a page here. hold on a second um shortened, abbreviated as CIC, the Code of Canon Law, Um, the Ceremonial of Bishops, and the Ceremonies of the Modern Roman Rite. The documents on the liturgy from the Church, 1963-79, to published by Liturgical Press, um, uh, includes many kinds of regulations in a single volume, and so does the liturgy documents, a parish resource by liturgy training publications of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Now, this is; uh, these are quite a few years ago, but they are available to you. And I probably read them too fast for you to make notes. Um, uh, you can always listen to the podcast, but better, go to catholic.com and bring down the article, The Ten Most Common Liturgical Abuses. And this is on the second page. Uh, you will get these resources. Dr. Johnson says, check the directives from popes and Vatican congregations, particularly the congregation for sacraments and divine worship. The congregation publishes the answers to questions of interest in a periodical called um, Notitiae, I think, N O T I T A E, N O T I. T-I-A-E, Notitiae, Um, these reinforcements of law are questions, excuse me, these reinforcements of law are binding on all the faithful, and they go into greater detail than the laws themselves can. But mostly they repeat that the laws must be followed in this and every other instant. I'm using a little light here at my desk because there's a little dark spot where I'm reading. And so if those of you who are live streaming are distracted by a little light, that's why you see it. Um, above all, get a copy of the Order of Mass approved for the use in the United States. Unfortunately, it is hard to find the order outside of huge altar books, which are expensive, or uh, or of missalettes which are not always accurate. Um, Pangeus Press P-A-N-G-A-E-U-S Pangeus Press in Dallas publishes an affordable edition of the order now look I'm talking again 20 years ago I I think there are other resources now uh, available when you have the applicable laws write to the offending priest citing the law chapter and verse, and quoting it in full, or beloved, make an appointment with him, be very reverent, and be humble, come to your priest as a sheep, or to your bishop if you need to, as a humble sheep, come with the paper in your hand, and say, we've printed out the law of the church, and the rubrics for the mass, and we are wondering if you uh, might truly follow these That's a sheepish way to ask. We don't need to be sheepish, but we need to be sheep. And, uh, uh, and if a priest refused, I would say anything outside of this um, makes you a Protestant in the Catholic Church. You see? Anything outside of this is Protestant. They are protesting the Catholic Church. Um, an errant priest simply might not know what he's doing but whether he is negligent or willful, he might get obstinate or try to save face when his error is pointed out. If you get, that's why we need to go very humbly um, and don't assume that he knows anything, but go telling him that it, it disturbs us very must, much, it distracts us from the mass, we don't know quite what we're looking at. Um Let's see now. He says, if you get no satisfaction after a reasonable exchange, repeat your concerns to the priest in writing and send a copy to your bishop. But I would tell the priest, that's Matthew chapter 18, you first go to the erring party, then you take a witness with you, and then you go and tell it to the church. So I would come with a witness. If you're a, a woman and you're married, do not go without your husband. Um... And um, if you're a husband, you can go without your wife, but don't go without your husband. If you're married, if your husband is Catholic, if he's not, and you're in a single situation faith wise, yes, go yourself. Try to bring someone with you. Uh, it, it should be it it should be standard that a woman would bring another woman or someone with her to meet with the priest. Um, and, um, and tell him that you're going to confirm it in a letter and that you're going to copy the bishop on it because this is a grave matter to you, all right? Or don't tell him that. Tell him that you're going to write the... Well, yes, that would be fine. Tell him that you're going to copy the bishop and put in your letter, as we discussed, I'm sending a copy to our bishop. Put that in there. It might end up because the the priest might say, "Well, you know what? Hold off and let me look into it." You know, he may not want it going to the bishop. Um, we're not doing it as a threat. We're telling him what we're going to do um, if if he doesn't uh, understand, um, and if he doesn't change, it means he doesn't understand. And so, I would just use that language, um, dear priest. If if you if you don't understand, if you don't agree. Um, we need to take it to the bishop. It might end up being a longer and less pleasant process than you'd think. So be prepared to repeat the process, patiently I'm adding, and to keep um, the focus on the exact issue and the exact laws that it violates. That's a very important point. Don't go off to other complaints. Did you know that that the, the woman teaching RCIA is is uh, vying for women priests, don't do it. Do, stick to the subject that you're calling to him for. Um, don't go off in tangents. And if he does, say, Dear Father, I know there are all these other problems, but could you address the problem I came to you with? Um, okay, let's see now. Um As frustrating as the process might get, never lose your sense of charity. If your complaint comes to a successful conclusion, do not crow about it. You haven't won anything. The law has been fulfilled. The blessed sacrament has won. And I add, don't forget to thank the priest for his open ear, his open heart, his humility, and for listening. Here are the most, then Dr. Johnson says, here are the most common abuses that you find in American liturgies today with a few references to the laws that prohibit them. Check out those references and you will probably find laws on similar problems in your own parish. Now, we have already looked at, number one, disregarding the priest, the prescribed text of the Order of Mass. Secondly, Interrupting Mass. Thirdly, omitting the, the priest has uh, no right to interrupt the Mass with, uh, to give financial reports and do other things. He has no right. Omitting the penitential rite. And I've been at churches where the penitential rite has been omitted and venial sins have not been forgiven. Replacing or omitting the homily. Dictating posture, dictating the manner of reception of the Eucharist. And now we'll come to number seven today, which is um, which is ignoring rules for reception of the Eucharist. The official statement of the rules for reception has recently been rewritten by the National Conference of Catholic Bishops, and unfortunately, is pretty vague, you see? And this is also back quite a number of years. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say, um, yes, this is back 20 years. I don't know how much of today it will cover. But it still says clearly that in order to be properly disposed to receive communion, participants participants normally should have fasted for one hour Beloved, uh, abstaining from food and drink except water or medicine. Beloved, I see little coffee clutches right before Mass. People have coffee and a little cookie or donut or something. Then if you do that, you should not receive the Eucharist because you have not kept the hour fast. I see people coming, sitting in church, chewing gum. They may not receive the Eucharist. If you chew gum or you have candy or lozenger or something in your mouth, you must not receive the the Eucharist. You have to wait an hour. You have to take the hour fast and something in your mouth, no matter what it is, is breaking that fast. The only exception is for medicine, beloved, if it if it cannot wait. The rewrite also goes to great lengths to say that non Christians and Christians not in communion with the church are welcome to come to Mass, but it is not nearly so clear as y- it used to be on the fact that they may not receive the Eucharist. The new phrase, uh, quote, ordinarily not omitted to Holy Communion, end quote, makes some Catholics and too many priests figure that all is right for non-Catholics to take communion on special occasions like weddings or funerals or if the non-Catholic is a prominent person like a government official or head of state, you may never give communion to even the President of the United States if he is not Catholic. You cannot tell who's in a state of grace, but if he is not Catholic, you must refuse. You say, well, I don't want to offend him. Would you rather offend God? If we don't offend the people who come for the Eucharist, who are not in a state to receive the Eucharist, we are choosing to offend God, which the Eucharist is. Naturally, you're also required to be free from grave sin, what we all used to call mortal sin. Well, there's a difference between grave and mortal. A grave sin is a serious sin. Um, It becomes mortal If the person committing the sin knows that it's a grave sin, knows that it will be mortal, meaning that they will be separated from the grace of God, and does it of their own free will, then it is mortal. If the person does not know it's mortal, if they're coerced or frightened into doing it, it's not of their own free will, then it remains a grave sin, but not mortal. Um... And so um, uh, Dr. Johnson says, naturally you're also required to be free from grave sin, what we used to call mortal sin. I'm wondering why he phrased it that way. We still call it mortal sin. And again, it's mortal if we know that the grave sin is, um, now this is 20 years ago, but it is mortal if we know that the grave sin we commit is, will separate us from the grace of God, and we do it of our own free will. Um, which means if, uh, let me see now, reconciliation before, so if we are in mortal sin or grave sin, we need to go to reconciliation, to confession before the Mass. Um, the theology about what constitutes a grave sin has not changed even if the terminology has. Now again, the terminology on grave sin did not change from grave to mortal um, at all. Again, a, a grave sin, you need three ingredients, so to speak, for mortal sin. One is that it be grave. Second, that it will separate you from the grace of God, and you know that. And thirdly, that you're doing that sin, you're committing that sin of your own free will, nobody has a gun next to you, um, and then it's mortal. Okay, so I'm going to go on to point eight now, and that is holding hands during the Our Father at Mass. Dr. Johnson says this is oddly widespread in the United States, but it is an uh, illicit addition to the liturgy. It's illicit. Illicit, it's not valid. The official publication of the Sacred Congregation for the Sacraments and Divine Worship uh, states that the practice must the practice of holding hands at mass quote must be repudiated. It is a liturgical gesture introduced spontaneously but on a personal initiative. it is not in the rubrics, beloved that makes it an abuse of the mass. And anything not in in the rubrics is unlawful, again, because no other person may add anything to the liturgy on his own authority. Um, This note, uh, Titiae, N-O-T-I-T-I-A-E, this note, Titiae, also reaffirms that the priest may never invite the congregation to stand around the altar and hold hands during the consecration. He stays in the sanctuary, and we stay outside of it. So, beloved, if your parish holds hands, and if the priest asks you to, you do not. You do not. If the priest invites the young people to come up on the altar, you remain down at the foot of the steps or the foot of the sanctuary. Don't you go up. It could be life team, and he invites all the young people around the altar. Do not go up. Not one young person should go up because the priest is causing you. He is violating the Mass, and he's causing you to add sacrilege to that Mass. Your obedience to the priest will not lessen the sacrament, the sacrilege. We need to know our faith.
2: This is Father Jacek Mazer. Please join me in a prayer to St. Bartholomew. O glorious St. Bartholomew, obtain for us the grace to be ever guileless and innocent as doves. At the same time, help us to have your gift of faith to see the divine hand in the events of daily life. May we discern the signs of the times that lead to Jesus on earth and will eventually unite us to him forever in heaven. Amen. The Station of the Cross provides you with on-demand access to our network-produced shows. Stream podcasts instantly on our iCatholic Radio mobile app or download through our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's instant streaming on iCatholic Radio or downloading podcasts at thestationofthecross.com.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, and again, we have a whole half hour to ourselves and i'm I welcome your calls with anything at all on your heart toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three You may text at that number as well or email at mother at the station of dot com We have an email from someone who's written in anonymously. I do believe I answered this email last week, but I'm going to answer it again um because I think other people uh, have this question as well. This person writes, Dear Mother, I have been back to church for a year and have crazy scruples on and off. Should I confess mortal sins that pop up in my head that I may have forgotten previously, but am not sure? Now there's two parts. Uh, And then he goes on to say or she, there are many times where I didn't know uh, to do number and species or that new people get a general confession, but I do now. Your thoughts and advice. Thank you, Mother. Well, uh, let me just say new people do not get a general confession. New people are. I, I have never known anybody new that gave or was asked to give a general confession. That's absolutely voluntary. Normally. Someone who's been away from the church for quite a while will go to confession and say, Father, um, I've been away from the church 30 years. My first confession after 30 years, and I've done this, or I did that, or I want to tell you this, whatever it may be. Um, That's not a general confession. A general confession shouldn't be done in the confessional line on a Saturday afternoon. You should make a separate appointment with the priest because that'll, in most cases, take a little longer so it's not a general confession that new people give. It's just that they confess their sins um, f- to a priest, and they confess whatever they can recall since their baptism. Um As far as your scrupulosity, dear one, when we confess our sins, we should always say, and I'm sorry for all those sins that I've committed that I don't recall. And then even if you don't recall them, you are forgiven for them. Now, after that, something pops up in your head, and especially you think it's mortal. Keep in mind that it's mortal only if you knew it was mortal, and you did it of your own free will. Only if it was a grave sin and you knew it was grave, and you knew that if you did it, it would separate you from the grace of God, and you did it of your own free will, then it's mortal. If you mean that you would have committed some grave sins and not known they were mortal, or for you they weren't mortal because you didn't know, that's another matter. Um, But still... If you consider some mortal sins, if they, sins come back to your mind, grave sins, after you've made your confession, and again, you're forgiven for all of them. But if they're on your heart, it's a good thing to confess them. So the next time you go to confession, just say, Father, um, I, it's a week since my confession. I've confessed everything on my heart and told God I was sorry for the things I don't remember, but I've just remembered this specific one and I wanted tell it to you, and get absolution for that. That's fine. That's a very good thing to do so your mind is clear. We have an email from James in New Jersey who says, Dear Mother, my wife and I praise and thank God for ministering to us through your program. It is very good for our souls. Well, I bless God for that, James. Thank you. I read this morning in the Magnificat a saying attributed to St. Alphonsus, which is so needed in our church today that he is saying. Excuse me for that yawn. Quote, St. Alphonsus says, Love requires that we take seriously the call to abandon sin and embrace the life of the gospel without moral compromise. I'll repeat that. Love requires that we take seriously the call to abandon sin and embrace the life of the gospel without moral compromise, end quote, from St. Alphonse. One of the greatest hindrances to the salvation of our souls is the unwillingness to abandon sin and compromising the church's teachings to not offend the world. We compromise the Church's teachings to not offend the world. He says how can we best speak the truth with love to a world that is not interested in the truth? Well, the first thing I thought of is that that's the world Jesus came to. He came to teach them the truth and they they told him he was possessed by the devil. You see, they were no more interested in that day than today. Um. This, this one uh, gentleman says, for example, how, um, how do I speak to my niece, who is my godchild, age 35, married with three children, about being away from the faith, and to my nephew, age 30, about living with his girlfriend? Should I speak with their father, who is my brother, first? If yes, what should I say, Or is there a book I can give him or them to read? No, you should not speak with the father. You should speak with them, especially the one who's your godchild, married with three children, your niece. She's 35. Don't go to her dad. You go to her and you say, you know, because you may be that you failed them both if they're in this state and you haven't spoken to them through the years it may be that um both of them have been let go i don't know that because you haven't said it but i would go to that godchild and uh speak to her um um let me see married about being away from the faith well i would speak to her about the fact that she's away from the faith and cannot raise her children catholic you need to sit down honestly and say you know I've had a responsibility as your godfather, and I have failed to live up to it. I have failed to love you, to be alongside of you. Um, and I want to tell you now whatever I can help you with now. I know you may not be interested now, but you're raising little souls for heaven. And if you return, if I can help you return to the faith, you can help them. The same thing with your nephew. If he's living with his girlfriend, he has to know that he is taking himself off the path to heaven and that he's on the road with his girlfriend who he claims to love on the road to hell. You must go to them. You must speak the truth and you must apologize that you haven't come sooner, that you haven't been pounding every day on their door to get them out of hell, to get them out of sin. Be sincere. Go to him with the truth. Go to both of them. Go on your knees and tell them the truth and beg them to come to God and be on their way to heaven. There's the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be right back. Call in with anything on your heart toll free. one 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back.
3: peace always in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today. Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic church. Our church is in a time of crisis and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty. To educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. Lifesite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search Lifesite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. We're taking your emails and your calls and your text, and you call in at any time with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483. Uh, you can text at that number as well, or email at mother at com. We have an email, um, let me see now, from... Does it say from... Hold on a second here. From Nellie. Yes, I thought it did. So sorry, Nellie. An email from Nellie. And Nellie writes, May this email find you in God's peace and grace. Thank you, Nellie. She says, My name is Nellie. I'm a Lebanese Catholic since birth, but sadly so, I had deviated from my faith and walking with my Lord and God, Christ Jesus, for many years. However, in the last eight years, I returned back to my Catholic faith reverently and passionately through the guidance of a dear faithful uh christ abiding priest i met then that itself was divine design oh i love those stories we hear enough about priests that are um fallen it's wonderful to hear about holy priests nelly writes hold on just a moment Nellie writes, I know for the last two years, especially so, I want to forever devout totally to my, uh, I think she said, I think she means I want to be forever devoted totally to my beloved one until that joyous missed beautiful, beautiful day when I shall meet him face to face. Really soon, I pray. Father Anthony was the priest that brought you to my attention a couple of months ago, and I watch you daily along with Mother Angelica. Oh, then it's Father Anthony with the friars there at EWTN. You tell Father Anthony that I love him. Nellie goes on to say, Our cultural ideologies, uh, values, and attributes are very, very similar. But what made me love you and Mother Angelica more so is your honesty, truth in speaking uh, God's words, directness, passion, fire and dying love for Christ and our blessed holy mother too. I've been matched with I um I have been matched um I have been matched with several orders. Ah, I have been matched with several orders. None yet has really sparked that fire in my heart and spirit except yours and Mother Angelica's. I know and believe that the Holy Spirit will guide me to his temporary home before my forever eternal home. And this, I pray, is with you and the sisters of your order. Your passion, directness, strong, unwavering beliefs and many other cases, she intended this to be read online beloved this is awfully long i'm sorry let me let me just read it through quickly uh, your passion directness strong unwavering be- beliefs in many other catholic traditions values and morals are the way i was brought up and believe very strongly these and much more you touched my heart and spirit the first time i heard you speak of your life and conversion to christ in the catholic church on ewtn These virtues, true passion, um, love and fire for God uh, are what I'm looking for in an order and the reverence for the Eucharist. Mass and true traditions Christ gave us through his church uh, must be upheld, strongly aligns very much with my upbringing and beliefs, Mother. Okay, well, my dear Nellie, I'm so glad that you found EWTN and the Station of the Cross um, that that indeed match the way you were brought up and your beliefs. I'm so grateful for that. Nellie says, I was brought up by a very strict but yet an extremely sacrificial loving and devoted mother and dad and I th- thank God today for such. So grateful for the ways she raised us to which now I am seeking orders or convents that align with that strong belief and ways before pre-Vatican II and only and only as Christ taught, commanded and modeled, and not this present distortion done in the church, uh, so forth, she goes on to say. Um, okay, a little about me now. Let me see how much you've written, Nellie. Oh, dear, dear loved ones, this is these are difficult, long emails to read over the air, so I'm going to ask you to... Um, Consider that when you're writing an email on air, to keep it um, really to what your question is would be um, would be would be good. You can always email us directly at uh, the Daughters of Mary Mother of Israel's Hope if you wish uh, to say much more. But on air, it would be good to limit it to a, a certain question. Um, all right, Nelly goes on to discuss her education for years, and um, her story, uh, and her, um, the, even though she fell away, God still loved her. Um, and uh, she says, I'm not worthy to touch the dirt under his sandals, yet alone to be loved so purely, yet alone to be loved so purely and unconditionally. That's a beautiful statement, Nellie. You speak for all of us. Um let me see. Uh want desperately to devout my life. I pray for your mother. Thank you, dear Nellie. Our Catholic Church needs more very strong, unwavering voices. Her email is very long and beautiful, but I don't want to take up all our radio time because I know people have questions. Um, uh, by God's grace, okay, thank you. I look forward to your response. Uh, dear Nellie, um, if it concerns Uh, you're wanting to go forward and um, uh, apply to this order and begin the process. Go ahead, sweetheart, and look on our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and click on the vocation inquiry email and just send us an email with your name and your full mailing address and we'll send you a vocation packet. Anyone else is welcome that to do that too. Give us your name and your full a mailing address and um, tell us that you're interested in beginning the process. Uh, let me just say, for those who are interested, you you must be single, which means that uh, if you're widowed, then you're in a single state. But if you're married uh, and your your annulment hasn't come through, uh, either yet or permanently, you're not in a position to apply because you will be a spouse of Christ. And that would be a an adulterous situation if your first marriage is still intact. And so you've got to be, number one, free to marry our Lord as a religious. Um, and you have to be uh, reasonably physically healthy as well. Um, we take women of all ages and... um uh, you can have a number of medical conditions, but they must not stop you from living the rule we We meet, we get up at four thirty in the morning, and uh, we pray at five and we have night prayer at eight thirty and it 's a pretty full day, so you need to be able to walk without a cane you need to be able to keep a schedule um, if you can do that you 're welcome to contact us um Okay, now, um, we will keep you in uh, prayers, dear Nelly. Thank you for your loving and beautiful and long email and for all that God has done in your heart. We have another email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, hello, Mother Miriam, Ave Maria. I am enjoying your discussion of modesty. Ah, we did that last week. I made a drastic change in my wardrobe seven years ago because of a sermon I heard during a Latin Mass said by the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. They're a wonderful group. It is hard. It is a hard road to walk in today's culture. It has been even harder keeping my 10-year-old homeschooled daughter in only long dresses, when even her Catholic and Protestant friends are wearing very immodest clothing. I understand that. I understand that. I relate to when I was a young girl, and we were out with the whole world, and uh, they were immodest then too, not as as immodest as they are now, but we were Jews, and we knew who we were, and we were in the world and not of it. And we, we... we didn't find it a hardship what people thought of us. If they mocked us, it, it was because we were Jewish and we were happy and proud to tell them so. I went to school. Oh, this is a terrible story to tell. I won't tell what what happened to me in school for being Jewish, what people had never seen a Jewish person before. It just all of that. It could have devastated me, but it didn't because I know why. I am what I am, and I say to them, I'm Jewish. They don't understand what that is, or they think it's a bad thing. People have to be educated. So we need to educate our children to understand that we are privileged, we are loved by God, and that love, He has extended to the whole world, and they're welcome to join us. One tool... um, uh, this, this one uh, person says, One tool I used currently with her 10-year-old daughter is this document documentary linked below. I don't have any other Catholic or Protestant friends that enforce this modesty standard. So I am so pleasantly surprised to get so much support from you on Catholic Radio. Okay, now, the link... Oh dear. Okay, it's http colon two forward slashes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just lost it for some reason. I pressed the wrong thing. Hold on. Yep, I got it back. Hold on a moment. I'm going to say it, but again, you can if you're listening on radio, you could repeat the podcast and you can get it from the podcast um or or live stream. Um. Here it is. Hold on. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Http colon forward slash forward slash truth true faith t r u e f a i t h dot t v forward slash two zero one one forward slash one one forward slash two eight forward slash the naked truth about modesty, and I'm um. The naked truth about modesty, it's all hyphenated. The hyphen naked hyphen truth hyphen about hyphen modesty forward slash and then probably com after that or org or something like that. So um, I wonder if you just type in in uh, uh, quotes the naked truth about modesty, you'll probably get it. God bless. I'm going to look at that website. God bless you. Thank you so much. Okay, we have another email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I listened to EWTN and I've been slowly making my way back to my faith. Hallelujah. Welcome, 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 dear one. She's trying anyway. I keep hearing how women's wearing women wearing short skirts or what have you leads men into temptation and sin and what have you. I believe that's the same line of thinking that causes some cultures to force women to wear burkers or to blame a rape victim for being raped because her dress uh, said she was asking for it. Even that domestic violence is the fault of the victim for not behaving properly. Now let me I'm gonna read the rest of your email. But I want to say when we dress immodestly, whether or not we're looking to tempt men and whether or not men will be tempted is not the issue. The issue is to honor God. If we're immodesty, we're offending God. If we're modest, the issue is to follow the Blessed Mother. The issue is to be assigned to God in the world. That's the issue. Uh, We don't not dress immodestly because it's going to tempt men. We dress for God and for the Blessed Mother. Um, <clears throat> and this one says, the idea is just to blame the victim, which, thank God, has been largely debunked in this culture. You like to deride. By the way, she says, um, "Oh, I, I've never blamed the victim. I don't blame the victim. I br- blame her parents. I blame the culture. And... Um, I want to help her, not blame her, because she doesn't know differently. Um, she said, uh, The idea is, is just to blame the victim, which, thank God, has been largely debunked in this culture. You like to deride. Well, I hate deriding the culture, but it's awful. I agree with you. By the way, I personally dress very conservatively and modestly. I do wear pants, though, because I bicycle for transportation. Please don't tell us that bicycling is a sin, too. I think you've gone a little bit off the rails with this email, dear one. What about wearing pants? Is that a sin? It is not a sin. And because I don't have a man to provide for me emotionally, spiritually, and financially, I do have to work, so hiding at home, lest I be seen in public, isn't an option. Thank you for reading this. Well, you've said things, my dear one, that I've never said. And if you ever truly want to ask an honest question, you let me know, and I'll help you as much as I can.